world. Why in the world were we just watching this video? This, uh... well, let me explain to you why. That is the construction site that's happening walking distance away from us, and it represents a very deep source of frustration in my life because they promised us that they were going to build a Wegmans right around here, and that was around like 2018. And I remember when they first announced this joint. I, our, our staff here were super excited because it's going to be now. I don't know. See, I can tell by your response that some of you have not tasted and seen that Wegmans is good. And so, uh, but my wife and I went, before we moved here to Rockville, we lived over in Prince George's County. And uh, we literally lived across the street from Wegmans. And I don't really know how, like the Wegmans, where's Wegmans in Montgomery? It's somewhere up. Far, it's far away, right. I don't know how y'all do Wegmans over here, but in PG County, Wegmans is kind of like a club on Friday nights. Um, their playlist is impeccable. It's people dancing up and down the aisles. Friday nights, they got live music. Wegmans is superior in like every way. And so it's been very, very frustrating for me because right at the corner of Rockville Pike and Halpine Row is where this construction site is. And all the time I'm driving by it and I'm like, I don't see no Wegmans. <laughs> they promised me a Wegmans like four years ago. And what do I see? What did y'all just see? Dirt. Right? That's what I see is dirt. I don't see no, like, frozen food section. I don't see the, the hot bar items, which is just absolutely phenomenal. I don't see a deli. I don't see anything but dirt. Nothing but an unfinished construction project. And it's gotten to the point in our county where people have started to create memes about the Wegmans. And so I found this one on Instagram a little while ago. And this is actually a picture from 1962. <laughs> here in Montgomery County, and I don't know if you can see the caption, but it says, awaiting the arrival of the new Wegmans, southbound Rockville Pike at Halpine Row in front of Congressional Plaza. And you can see that I liked it. That's my little smiley faces. Uh, this is a true story. This is real. Um, this, is what I, this is what I do with my time as pastors. Uh, we, this is what we do. Um, but I want you to keep that picture up for a moment because the reason I share all that is because... I wonder how many of us have looked at our life and we have felt like, God, when are you actually going to finish the work that you promised? We are like this woman standing for what seems like forever. And on the one hand, we have these promises of God in Scripture Promises of what God is going to do in us or what God is going to do for us, this work that he promises to finish, but we find ourselves confused because when we look at our life, all we see is dirt. All we see is what is unfinished. We don't see anything yet that we can actually enjoy or, or, or participate in fully. Like we just have what this unfinished project and it begins to create this discouragement, particularly when you're waiting and you begin to compare yourself and your life to other people. And you begin to wonder, God, why are you doing this in their life when I'm still 
at ground zero. God, how has this person grown so much and how are they flourishing so much? How come they've experienced freedom in this particular area of their life? But no matter how much I've prayed, how many times I've gone to church, that struggle doesn't seem to be changing. That challenge doesn't seem to be getting any easier. That grief doesn't seem to be lightening up in any way in my own life. How many of you have felt that frustration before? All of us have felt that in some way. And we're in this series called Now I See It because there are some challenges and seasons in our life where we can't see, it's difficult to see what God is up to and what God is doing. And I want to encourage you today as we look at Philippians chapter one with something very simple. This is all I want to say, like you are a work in progress. You are a work in progress. And you can't compare your progress to somebody else's progress and you can't always see how God is working in you in the moment. But you have to trust that God is working. And not only are you, not only am I a work in progress, but we together as a church family are a work in progress. For those of you who are new to our church, uh, my wife Ashley joined the worship staff here at McLean Bible Church 17 years ago. And I joined the pastoral staff 15 years ago, and together we've had the privilege of serving this church together in several different locations. So first in our young adult ministry at our Tyson's location, and then back in 2009, uh, we started a location uh, in downtown Silver Spring. And uh, shout out to those of you who have stuck with us that long. Uh, and then we found this building here, and we opened this location, NBC Montgomery County, June 21 of 2015. And a couple weeks ago, we celebrated our seven-year anniversary as our Montgomery County location. Yeah, praise God for that. And God has been so faithful. When you look around this room, you are seeing the faithfulness of God. You're seeing evidence of God's work in and through the life of this church family in some, some amazing seasons and some difficult seasons and through a pandemic and in hospital visits and in retirement celebrations and marriages and disappointments and through all kinds of life circumstances, God has been faithful. He's been doing a work. And this is, this is what the Apostle Paul is communicating to this church in Philippi. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, just in that one verse and Paul is in prison. He's writing to the members of a church he started uh, in a Greek city called Philippi. And I want to read from verse 3 just so we can catch the context of what Paul, what Paul is saying. But when I get to verse 6, I want us to read verse 6 together. Is that cool? You don't sound like y'all about to read. Uh, is that cool? All right, all right. So I'm going to read from verse 3. When we get to verse 6, we'll read this out loud together. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul says this. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, um, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Here's verse six. Let's read this out loud together. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's what you see here. Just in this one verse, you see past tense, present tense, future tense. 
God's work in the past, his work in the present, his work in the future. So let's look at verse 6 again, past tense. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who, and if you're taking notes, you're writing your Bible, you circle that word, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says that God began a good work in these Philippian believers. Now, what is this good work that Paul is talking about? Well, he's talking at two different levels here. First, he's talking about how God began a good work in them corporately. He brought them together into this church family. And not only did they begin uh, forming deep uh, relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ, but they began uh, to, to form a devoted partnership, pooling their resources together to serve the poor, to help Paul spread the gospel. So, so God began a good work in them corporately, but that all started with the work that he began in them individually. And this is the work of salvation. This is the work of God revealing who he is and confirming the reality of his presence in our hearts. This is God awakening our hearts to to how good and holy he is and giving us a desire to know him. This is, some of y'all already resonated, this is your testimony. This is God opening our eyes to see who Jesus truly is and to truly understand the work that Jesus did for us on the cross This is God convicting us of sin, where in one season of your life, there were things that you were into, things you used to do, and it was no issue. And then all of a sudden, those very same things that brought you joy and pleasure, those things now begin to stir your conscience. This is God convicting you of sin and drawing your heart to repentance. This is God, God forgiving our sin. And setting us free from the spiritual bondage that holds us back from following God's will. This is the work of salvation, the good work of salvation. God is the one who begins the work of salvation. And this is what happened in the lives of these Philippian believers. Paul came to Philippi and God began to use him to reach people with the gospel. You look at Acts chapter 16, Luke records that story for us. I just want to highlight the story of one particular woman. Paul, he pulls up in Philippi and he goes down to the river. There's a group of women who have gathered down by the river and Paul sparks up a conversation with these women. He begins to share the gospel with these women. In Acts chapter 16, verse 14, look at what Luke writes. He says, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira a seller of purple goods. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her. What worshiper of God means there is that she was a convert to to Judaism. So she, generally speaking, worshiped the God of Israel. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. After she was baptized, so she made a decision to trust in Jesus. She's born again after she was baptized and her household as well. She urged us saying, if you have judged me to be uh, faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And so you continue to read in Acts chapter 16, Paul hangs out at Lydia's house with her family. Lydia becomes the first uh, born again Christian in Europe. And her house then begins, becomes the initial headquarters of Paul's ministry there in Philippi. And as you continue reading, you see how God then saves a hopeless teenage girl who was being exploited for financial profit. 
He saves a military guard who was working for the Roman Empire. And this is the beginning of the Philippian church. A wealthy businesswoman and her family, a hopeless teenage girl, and a government official. So God begins this work of salvation. But here's what I I want us to see. This is where I want to lean in. God had already been at work pursuing them before they ever met Paul. And this is what I really want you to see because I want you to see how it connects to your story. Think about how God had already been working leading up to this point. He's already been working in the background of Lydia's life before she was even aware of it. And we looked at this several months ago when we studied Acts chapter 16. So let me just recap this for you. I'm going to show you a map really quickly. This is one of Paul's missionary journeys. And Paul, beginning kind of where that arrow is, he's coming out of Pisidian Antioch and he wants to spread the gospel in Asia. The gospel was not established there yet. And Acts chapter 16 says that the Holy Spirit would not allow Paul to preach the gospel in Asia. Paul says, okay, plan A didn't work. Let me transition to plan B. They don't have the gospel in Bithynia yet either. So Paul tries to travel up up north into Bithynia to share the gospel. And it says that the Holy Spirit wouldn't even let Paul travel into Bithynia. So Paul's like, what is going on? I'm trying to spread the gospel. I'm trying to do God's work. The Holy Spirit says no to plan B. Uh, Plan A says no to plan B. So he decides, him and his, his ministry crew, they decide to continue west. And they end up in a little port town called Troas. And some of you remember we talked about this. In Troas is where Paul receives what's called the Macedonian vision. He's there. Plan A didn't work. Plan B didn't work. He's just there in Troas. Like, okay, God, I don't know what, what, your, what your plans are now. And he receives a vision of a man over the Aegean Sea in the region of Macedonia. And the man is saying, come over here. We need your help. In other words, this is a vision of a man saying, we need you to come spread the gospel over here. And so Paul and his ministry team travel across the Aegean Sea to that region of Macedonia. And you can see one of the cities in Macedonia is Philippi. And that's where he pulls up by the river, sees this group of women, sparks up a conversation, shares the gospel. God opens Lydia's heart. Here's what I want you to see. And this is what I want to connect with your life. Our first point, God was working in your life even before you were aware of it. God was working in your life even before you were aware of it. You think about the chain of events, the series of conversations and experiences that God used to eventually open your heart to the gospel. For some of you like me, that was through your family. By God's grace, I grew up in a a family, generations of of faithful followers of Jesus who modeled for me what it looked like to follow Jesus. But my heart was still hard. I still loved the things of this world. And some of you know my story. I went to University of Maryland. And what I did not know was that God had been at work in my life. He had been at work ahead of me on the campus of University of Maryland before I even got there. And he already prepared a group of upperclassmen guys who were following Jesus, who modeled for me when I got there what joy in the Lord looked like. And God began to soften and draw my heart and wean me off of the things that I thought were bringing me lasting satisfaction and pleasure. And he began to show me that true joy is found in a relationship with him. And God stepped in and radically changed my life. 
But God had been at work in my life before I was even aware of his work in my life. And that's true for you too. And maybe it wasn't you growing up in a Christian family. Maybe it wasn't that at all. Maybe it was just a sermon that you heard. Maybe it was a season of suffering that God used. And he was working in the background of your life until one day he finally broke through. This is some of our testimonies. And maybe this is why God has you here today or watching this message today. Maybe it's because God has been at work in the background of your life in ways that you haven't even been aware of. And maybe this is the moment where it clicks for you that it's been God all along. That the reason why some of the things you've been doing in the past no longer satisfy you is because it's God's working in your life. Maybe the season of suffering you've been in that's produced those questions in your life that you've never paid attention to, maybe it actually isn't coincidence, but it's God, a loving Father, your Creator, who has been drawing your heart and pointing your attention to Him. Maybe God has been working in your life all along. And maybe today is the day where he wants you to step into a relationship with him. Listen to me. God is working in people's lives right now throughout Maryland, and they're not even aware of it yet. And just like God led the Apostle Paul to Philippi, God has placed us here in Maryland so that we can merge into the work that God is already doing in their lives. Have you thought about the possibility that this is why you live in the neighborhood you live in? Why you're on that particular team at work or a student at that particular school? Have you thought about the possibility that God has you where you are because he wants you to join in the work that he's already doing in their life? And we get the great privilege of those who have received that work to name for them the fact that it is God who is at work in their life. And we get to point them to Jesus, the climax of God's work in their life to draw them to salvation. Have you thought about the possibility that God has placed you where you are because he's already working in the lives of people around you? Have you thought about the fact that this is why God may have placed you in this church family? Not just because it's just good sermons, which usually we have good sermons. Hopefully today turns out to be one. Not just because we have great worship music or because we got free childcare. Have you thought about the possibility that God placed you in this church family not to be a consumer, but to be a participant in the work that he wants to do in and through this church in this state? That he actually wants you to activate your gifts and to get involved because there are some people right now who need to have this work named for them. That it is God who is at work in your life. A God who loves you and is pursuing you. Listen, God was working in your life even before you were aware of it. But here's the next thing I want you to see. Not only was he working in your past... But God is working in your life even when you can't see it. He was working in your life even before you were aware of it, and he is working in your life even if you can't see it. Look at what Paul says in verse 6. He says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And when you read that in the English Standard Version, you don't necessarily see the present tense kind of jump out. But let me show it to you. It becomes more clear when you look at other translations. So the New American Standard Bible says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until, 
the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, God will be perfecting the work that he started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. New Living Translation says, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work. And I love the Amplified. It's Amplified for a reason, right? The Amplified version says, and I am convinced and sure of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return. And I love this, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. The Apostle Paul says to these believers, not only did God start a good work in you, but he is working in you right now. He's working in you right now. Paul saw evidence of God's work in their life, and he names that work. And sometimes, listen, it's hard for us to see the work that God is doing in us. It's hard for us to see it sometimes. And for some of us, sometimes it's hard for, for us to see that work because, just purely because it's just spiritual warfare. We, there's no other explanation. We don't know why. It's what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones called spiritual depression. It's what ancient writers used to call a dark night of the soul where you can't even explain it. But it's just like there's this dark cloud over your head and you cannot see any good work that God is doing in you. And you just become discouraged and you just feel completely desensitized to the presence of God. And you're like, God, where are you? What are you doing? I don't feel your presence. You know it all here, but you can't sense it here. And for some of us, it's just spiritual warfare. It is the enemy just dragging us into that spiritual depression. For others of us, it's hard for us to sense God working in us because of sin. Because of unrepentant sin in our life, sin that we're clinging to, or because of sin that that we have repented for and we are striving by God's grace to change in, but the shame and the guilt of that sin causes us to feel like a fraud. And we wonder, God, why am I still struggling with this particular sin? And you become so overwhelmed by that particular sin that it begins to eclipse the light of God's good work in your life where all you can see is your struggles in that one particular area and it blinds you to all the other ways that God has changed. All the other ways you're not the same person that you used to be. All the other ways that God has been giving you grace to change and to restrain your tongue. All the ways God has been giving you more joy in ministry and you zoom in on this one area where you still struggle and you still stumble and that blocks everything else out. But for some of us, it's not sin. Some of us, we can't see and sense what God is doing in us currently because of suffering. Because there are some circumstances and some pain in our life right now. There are some questions that have gone unanswered, some prayers that have gone unanswered. Some situations that have gone unchanged. And and the pain of that is so heavy and so acute that those doubts that creep up in our hearts, they just completely block out any evidence that God is there, maybe even that he's real. And that suffering causes us to struggle to believe or to see, to even be aware of the good work that God is doing in my life. And here's what I love. Here's what I love. And I did not, I've studied this verse a gazillion times, and I didn't notice this until this week. It hit me in a fresh way. I love that Paul says, and I am sure of this. 
that he who started this work will bring it to completion. He is working in you. I love, he says, I'm sure. You may not necessarily be sure right now. You may not necessarily be able to see how God is working in you. But all of us, this is part of why being in a local church is so important and being in community is so important because you need some people in your life who can say, I know you're not sure, but I'm sure. I know you can't see the ways that God is working in your life, but can I just take a moment over coffee and name for you some ways that I see God working in your life? I know you're struggling to trust God's promises in his word right now, but would you lean on my faith in this season for a minute? And can I, on the authority of God's word, just remind you of what you can't see or understand right now? You need some people in your life who can say, you may not be sure, but I'm sure. I'm confident that the work God started, he is still doing that work and perfecting that work in you. I was thinking about this passage, and I wanted to do something a little different today. Uh, I want to invite uh, a special guest up, also known as my wife, Ashley. Y'all give it up for, for Ashley. And uh, the reason, uh, well, the reason these stools are so far away, because they said we have to be here because of the lighting, but I mean, we, do, we love each other. <laughs> The reason I wanted to invite Ashley up is because this passage um, has just such profound significance for us in our own life. Uh, And sometimes when you come to church or you visit a church, everybody looks all put together and perfect and we put our words together and all that. And uh, and sometimes uh, not only do we struggle to see the work that God is doing in us, but other people just see kind of the outward kind of picture that we project and they're not aware of some of the deep, painful work that God is doing in our lives. And uh, so I told Ash during this, I was like, I want to interview you. Um, So here we go. Uh, Ash, you you joined the worship staff uh, 17 years ago and uh, you were worship director here at our Montgomery County location, uh, which that's a whole nother sermon about our working relationship. And uh, it's great. It's great. And thank you. Uh, and then you came into my office one day during the workday, uh, and you said, um, "There's something I need to talk to you about." Yeah. So this would have been um, April of 2016, I think. Yeah. And um, at that time, Mike already said, like, we have been in ministry together, serving alongside each other for quite some time, and we had two kids at that point, and. His schedule is very demanding. Um, ministry hours are different, if y'all don't know that. You might know because you might be talking to him at 8 o'clock at night, but you're not doing that for your job. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so it's just it's a different lifestyle. And so for both of us to be so heavily involved, it became difficult just raising our kids. And I thought, you know, I felt like the Lord was telling me he can't really do much about his situation, but you can. You can stay home. So I felt led to quit my job and stay home with our kids. Um, Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Just in an effort to kind of provide some more stability for our family. And um, but as it turns out, that's not exactly what happened in terms of the stability. Yeah. And she's being super gracious because I'll fill in some more context. Um, That season in life in many ways represents a failure on my part as a husband. 
and I've shared this before, uh, but uh, that was a season where I was aware a little bit, uh, but was not uh, as aware as I should have been of how much she was struggling. I mean, just drowning, really, in uh, trying to juggle being on staff and, and, and leading worship and, and carrying a lot of household responsibility and, and a lot of the care for the kids. And meanwhile, I was traveling too much. I was in a season of just some discontentment in my own life and finding my identity in, in ministry. Um, and uh, and I was, I, I, whenever she would bring it up, I would be frustrated, right? Because I'd go out and I'd preach somewhere and like see God do all these amazing things and then come home and then she'd be like, <laughs> handing me a, a, another human being. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and so it was a real source of tension uh, for, for us and I, I should have seen it earlier and I didn't. Um, and... Uh, and that contributed to, I think, some of the challenges that you face. So you kind of had these, these dreams of what being home was going to look like, and, uh, and it didn't work out the way you thought. Yeah, no, it didn't. Uh, we, we also, during that time, we transitioned to move to Montgomery County. So we're from PG County. Um, no shout out? No? Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's somebody in here. Okay. Hey. Um, <laughs> so we moved to Montgomery County because we wanted to be closer to this community. We felt like we needed to... Uh, decrease the obstacles. <laughs> so we moved here. We live about eight minutes from church. And so we were farther from our family than we had been. We have two kids. I'm transitioning out of my role as a worship leader. And so like, it was really hard for me even just to feel like I was connected to the church anymore because I didn't know where I fit in. I didn't know how to just be a normal part of the community. I would come to church on Sundays and I'm like, where do I sit? I mean, I don't have anybody to sit with. Like I'm usually up here. <laughs> um, I just felt isolated and at that time, too, I had a rambunctious two-year-old who also made it difficult <laughs> on Sunday mornings to get here. And then a couple months into that, surprise, we're pregnant, um, which we weren't really planning. Uh, <laughs> but he's, he's a blessing from the Lord. But um, yes. it was an unexpected blessing. No. But we, that was difficult. That was a difficult season to try to, get, to reacclimate to a different type of life, to be carrying a child, to feel sick, you know, all those things. So um, it was just a difficult season anyway. I started to feel resentful of ministry and of the church, and I didn't know where I fit in. And I just was kind of lost, honestly. I felt like I had been leading worship all this time, but did I believe those things that I was telling other people to sing? Um, it was a very confusing uh, season. And then, fast forward, we have Jackson, our youngest, and I struggled with postpartum depression. And that particular instance was pretty difficult. Um, I had postpartum depression with my second child as well. But with this one, it was really bad. Um, and I think it just was compounded with everything else going on. But I started to feel really hopeless. And also being former worship leader, pastor's wife, it did feel like, okay, Lord, like what's going on? You know, like I, just, I was trying to make these decisions because I thought I was honoring you. But now I feel like you've just kind of left me in the dark. Um, so yes, all that to say, it was not this dream of making this peaceful, wonderful home for our family. It was more like I was like the home terrorist <laughs> in some ways. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, one of the things you share was kind of how that affected your prayer life, which is tough because you're, you're a worship leader. I mean, there was, there were seasons where it was, it would be difficult for her to get up and, and lead worship, like she said, because she's like, I don't know if I can actually proclaim these things with integrity because I'm not even sure I believe them right now. 
Um, and so it was, it was heavy. And we had some really scary, dark moments uh, where I, I didn't know what to do. I, I mean, I, I knew how to sit down with y'all and have a conversation and sort through challenges or whatever. And in my own house, like, I didn't know how to help her. I would just, I would, there were just some dark moments where I had to call some people and be like, I don't know what to do with this right now. Um, but spiritually, uh, it, was, it was really affecting you in, in your prayer life. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, um, I just have shared with Mike, during that season, I like stopped praying because I started feeling like it doesn't matter. Lord, like if you saw me, if you knew what to do or if you cared, like you would have intervened by now. You would have done something to make this situation different. So I felt resentment. Um, My heart was becoming hard. And I really just in in really dark moments, I stopped praying, Um, which maybe some of you can relate to. I don't know. Um, But then there was this one pivotal moment. Um, I remember sitting on the floor in the bathroom in our room, and (laughs) it was a really dark moment. I was was crying. I was sobbing. I didn't know why. And if you've ever struggled with, like, clinical depression or had postpartum depression, you feel almost out of control of your body. Like, you're trying to tell your thoughts. You're trying to tell your thoughts, no, don't think that. (laughs) But it doesn't work. And so I felt out of control. I felt lost. I was like, God, where are you at? And at that moment, I, I cried out. There was, there was still something in me that cried out to the Lord, and it was a desperate, urgent prayer, and it was, Lord, you have to do something right now, or I don't know what's going to happen. I did not feel like I could continue living. <sighs> Sorry. But the Lord answered me Amen. in that moment, and it's something that I cling to to this day. That was probably 2017, 2018, I still cling to it because, you know, you're talking about this verse, you know, he who began a good work will complete it. And I never would have thought that the Lord would deliver on that promise in that moment, but he did in that moment. I think sometimes we have, we read promises in scripture. We think we know what that might look like. And I thought that him completing the work would look like you know, I'm a worship leader and I'm going to get better and I'm going to memorize more scripture and I'm going to have devotions with my kids every night and I'm going to do this and I'm do that. That's not how it happened for me. <laughs> it wasn't this, this pretty picture of the Lord like rescuing me and then walking with me side by side until we get to heaven. That's not what happened. It was like the Lord rescued me. He walked me and then he picked me up off the ground, you know, and he's carrying me. And in that way, I have seen God deliver the promise that he's going to complete the work because I didn't have it in me to cry out to him, but he did that for me. And not only did he do that, but he gave me this sense of peace that I literally, there was no other explanation. It was like, I said, God, if you don't come right now, and he was there. And so, like I said, those, that's a moment that I, I cling to. I look back on, I'm, I'm a very cynical person. Um, earlier we sang, you know, um, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's out of Mark nine. And I, I cling to that passage because I just, I'm suspicious of everything, and I question God often. And so it doesn't mean that I don't still have moments where I struggle, but I, I, I don't struggle the way I used to, and that is his sanctifying work in me, because I know he was there. He was in the bathroom with me that day. Uh, it was by far one of the darkest seasons uh, of our life. And God was faithful to bring us through it. And that hasn't been the last 
uh, challenge we've walked through and won't be the last. But he's faithful. The work that he began in us, he is actively continuing that work. And the reason why we wanted to share that with you is you might not resonate with postpartum depression or you may not even have kids or be married, but some of us know what it's like to be in the pit where you can't even see your own hand because it's so dark. You don't know up from down. You hear at the bottom of the pit all these scriptures that everybody is saying, but you're in the pit. And it's difficult for you to really believe that God is actually up to something in your life and in your character and in your marriage and in your relationships with other people and in that particular area of struggle. You struggle to believe that what God has for you, what God wants to do in and through you and for you will actually be satisfying. As Ashley and I were praying for you last night, it became clear to us, clear to us as we were praying, we just, we prayed it, that one of the things the Lord wanted to do through his word was he wanted to renew somebody's confidence that he actually is at work and that he's going to finish that work. There's a quote from C.S. Lewis, and in just a minute, Ashley's going to lead us in a song that's just such a personal testimony. Um, But C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, he said this. He said, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards, You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. I want you to hear that the work that he began in you, he is continuing that work. God was working in your life even before you were aware of it. God is working in your life even when you can't see it. And just before they lead us in this song, the band is getting ready to come out. Uh, This last point is God will finish his work in your life even though you don't deserve it. Look back at verse 6. Paul says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. When? At the day of Jesus Christ. Like, y'all, there is a day coming that Jesus promised. He came in his first coming to live the perfectly righteous life that we cannot live, to fulfill the standard that we cannot fulfill. 
And he died on the cross because we deserve eternal death. He died in our place for our sins. And he rose from the grave and he ascended in and gave us his Holy Spirit to, to be working in us from the inside out. But listen to me, and I'm not going to use good grammar when I say this, but God don't start stuff he don't finish. If God started the work in your life, if you've truly been born again, and you've put your trust in him, and he said that you are a daughter, he said that you are a son, like he's going to finish that work, and the, that work being completed will not ultimately depend on you. We participate in that, and we surrender to the Spirit's work in our life, but he has taken full responsibility for your life, and he will finish what he has started in your life. And there is, this is why this series is called Now I See It, because there are times and seasons and circumstances where it's difficult to see what God does. And sometimes, in hindsight, we'll be able to see, God, now I see what you were doing all along. But there are some things in our lives that are not going to make sense until that day we see him face to face. But hear me, there is a moment of clarity coming for every one of us where every single one of your questions will be answered. Every single one of your longings will be fulfilled. Every single one of your doubts will finally dissipate. And here's why, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. It says, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. God is not done. And for some of you, the invitation from God for you is to allow him to begin that work in you. Like maybe you've been going to church, maybe you're new to church, but you have never truly, truly understood or seen or, or comprehended or embraced what God has done for you in Jesus on the cross for your sins. You have not truly surrendered yourself to him as the resurrected Lord and given him ultimate authority over your life. And today is that day that you sense God stirring. Today is that day where you realize he's been at work in your life all along and you know it. He's been drawing you and wooing you and working in you. And today is the day that you say, God, I surrender and I receive the forgiveness of my sins. I, I, I'm going to stop trying to, trying to earn a sense of identity apart from you. I'm going to stop trying to earn favor with you because I can't. But I am going to submit and receive the work that you've done for me in Jesus. We're going to take a moment. We're going to give you space to reflect. And I want to encourage you to pray. You and God. You and God. It's his mercy that you're not seeing him face to face right now. Because apart from Christ, we face him in judgment. You're alive. You're breathing right now because God has been kind enough to give you an opportunity today to do what you've sensed him doing all along, to actually make the decision to put your trust in him like I did. But for others of you, you're a follower of Jesus. And today you need God to renew your confidence 
that he's actually at work. Or maybe you know somebody who needs God to renew that confidence. And I want to give you some space to pray in light of that. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And Ashley and the band are going to lead us in this song, this song of testimony to God's goodness. Uh, and the ushers are going to, in just a second, they're going to distribute the elements of the Lord's Supper. And if you're here, you're not yet a follower of Jesus, then I want to encourage you to participate, not by taking these elements, because this is our way of saying we actually trust the gospel. We believe what, what God has done for us in Jesus. I want to encourage you to participate by just reflecting on what you've heard and praying. And if you want to make a decision to trust in Jesus, you don't need me. You don't need a priest. Like you don't, you, God is here and he wants to hear from you. If you call out to him and tell him that you want to turn from your sin and put your trust in him and you want him to lead your life, he's faithful to respond to that. And so as we take the elements, I want you to just take a moment between you and the Lord. If you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to take the elements and hang on to them because I'm going to lead us in taking the Lord's Supper together. But I want you to spend time praying, however the Lord is burdening your heart to pray or just reflecting on these lyrics that Ashley and the team are getting ready uh, to sing. And then we're going to take uh, the elements together. Let me pray before the ushers distribute the elements. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. That you have promised that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that that work of salvation, God, you will continue it in us and through us. And you will bring it to completion one day when we see you face to face. Would you renew our confidence in your promise? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.